You're listening to the Tranquility Tribe podcast, an empowering space for all parents from conception to childhood. In this podcast, you'll explore your birth options, hear from experts in the field, learn to embrace self-indulgence, and prepare yourself for parenthood with Haiti. She's a coffee connoisseur, lover of deep belly laughs, a big-time tailgater, and your neighborhood birth junkie. From Mississippi to Massachusetts and everywhere in between, here's your host, Hee.
and tuning in from New York, Kelly, welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Thank you guys for taking the time to listen to my birth stories and tuning in. I really appreciate you guys, and I hope that my experience can help you guys on your journey to having babies or if you're getting ready to have a baby. I hope that I can impact you, and I hope that my story will help give you guys strength to give birth and be confident enough to do this on your own or with your family. I hope that by sharing my story with you guys, I can give you the strength and confidence to give birth and know your rights and feel comfortable doing this. Wow, wow, wow. So much gratitude for our listeners. I'm so happy to have you on the show today. I know that this is probably an episode that a lot of people are not expecting, but I think that we're going to cover some important topics that uh, people need to be talking about. I love that you bring up knowing your rights, and um, we're definitely going to dive into that uh, a little bit later. But before we do that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are? And um, I met you on Instagram, but other than Instagram, who are you? Okay, well... Uh, my name is Kelly again, and I'm a mother of three beautiful children. I have a five-month-old, a two-year-old, and a six-year-old. I have two boys, my youngest and my oldest, and then my middle child is my daughter, Callie. Um, I'm currently living in New York, and at the moment, I'm working on expanding my brand as a plant-based chef, as well as a consultant and a healer, and I'm also getting into being a doula and just advocating for a natural parenting and just um, your rights in general as a woman when you're giving birth or as um, when you're pregnant. And it's just, to me, it's just very important that women know what, what rights they have if they choose to give birth in a hospital or at home and that you have plenty of options to do so. I love it. I love, love, love hearing all of the advocacy throughout everything that you're saying you are a jack of all trades or a jackie mm. of all trades if you will mm. i love it so much so mm. since we're here to talk about your birth stories let's start out with those i'm gonna let you just kind of have the floor and you can tell us what you will and don't what you don't want to and then we will dive into things um things. Well, I don't want to really say what we'll dive into because it'll give away <laughs> in your birth story, but we will dive into everything after your birth story. So Kelly, here you go. You have the floor. Okay. So I'll start with my first birth story, which was actually at a hospital here in New York City. And when I was pregnant with my son, I was really young and it was my first pregnancy. And I really didn't know what I wanted or know that I had options. I just kind of thought that I was like, you're pregnant, you go to the doctor and you listen to everything that they say and you have your baby and you go to the hospital and you come out a few days later and then you just give me your baby milk. And I didn't really know what went into it and I really didn't have, I guess, that many resources. I only knew what my mom and like my sisters and a few of my family members, but um, everyone around me kind of made it seem like being pregnant and giving birth in a hospital was a scary thing. So that's the only thing I knew about it. Um, so throughout my pregnancy, it was a pretty good. I would say that I was, hmm, I wanted to learn a lot, but I didn't know where to go for like birthing classes and lactation classes, but I didn't know that I wanted to breastfeed and I, and I didn't know about anything about home birthing or anything like that. But um, I ended up giving birth at a hospital. And the, I guess my timeline was, I basically Friday evening was the, my due date. I believe I was due on August 22nd with my son. And two days later, you know, I was feeling a little bit of pain. And I remember going into the doctor and they were telling me that I was already like four centimeters dilated. I had already been four centimeters dilated for a few days. So they just wanted to wait and see what would happen. Um, but that evening I had a little bit of discomfort. So I decided to go into the hospital and that night they decided to induce me. 
Mind you, I had no idea what inducing meant. I just thought that they were going to like have me at the hospital and the baby was going to come on his own. But they didn't really explain anything to me. They just said, you know, we're going to induce you, which we're going to give you a drug that's going to speed up your contractions. And then hopefully you'll start dilating and then you'll give birth and we can get you out of here. So that was Friday evening. And um, they gave me that Pitocin about 8 p.m. that night. and I just remember it being like really, really stressful and painful and them not allowing me to eat. I was really hungry because obviously like I'm a pregnant woman and I'm in the hospital and I haven't eaten for the past eight hours and they're just pumping me with these, I would, you know, for lack of a better word, drugs. And I just was very uncomfortable and hungry. And I kept asking like, can I eat something please? Because I don't feel like I have any strength to push. And they were like, no, if you eat now, then you may get a C-section and then it'll interfere with the surgery. And to me, I was like, ah, C-section. Like I didn't plan on having a C-section. Like I didn't even think about that. Like, why would I need a C-section? And um, they just weren't very nice to me. They weren't informing me. They didn't seem like they cared about me being a first time mom and just like going through the experience with me. It was kind of like they wanted me to either have a C-section or get the epidural and get out of there. So Saturday around 3 p.m., they started kicking up the Pitocin because I already had been, um, I guess they like to call it open for a while, and they said that they needed the baby to come out soon. And I remember them saying, okay, well, we're going to give you an epidural, but there's only one person who can administer the epidural on the entire floor. He's the only person, and he's the only person here for the entire day, and there's like six other women in labor. So. I'm in lots of pain, again, just really hungry and just doubting myself and not knowing what's going on because a bunch of doctors just kept coming in and out of the room. A lot of students were in there. And I finally felt like an experiment. And I didn't really know that I could vocalize and tell them, no, I wasn't comfortable. I just was like, oh, this is what birth is. So I just went along with it. Um, so a few hours later, they finally bring me in to get the epidural. And I am terrified of needles. I had a situation when I was younger where I had low platelets and I had to get lots of blood drawn and I think I was like six years old so ever since that moment I've been terrified of needles so I told the doctor that he's like look you're an adult if you're afraid of needles like I don't know what to tell you like and he shows me this huge needle that's about to go into my back and again he's very insensitive and he's just like I need you to bend over so I can you know so I can poke you on your back and I'm just like how am I supposed to bend over because I have a big belly I'm in distress I'm in pain and like no one's really telling me or trying to help me, you know? So, um, I were just going back and forth where he's kind of like yelling at me, telling me like, you know, bend over, bend over. And at this point I'm crying because I'm really afraid. And, and he's like, well, if you don't take this epidural, then we're just going to take you into surgery and get a C-section so we can get it over with quickly. And that really, I felt like at that point I shut down. So I think I, I finally just like bent over despite the pain I was going in. And they finally were able to administer the epidural. And a few moments later, I didn't feel anything. So like I said, that was around like 8 p.m. that Saturday evening. And they told me that I was dilated enough that I was able to um, start pushing. And this was probably like around 10 or so, 10, 11. And I started pushing and I couldn't feel anything. And they kept saying like, the head is right there. The head is right there. Like you're almost there. You got it. You got it. And I just felt like I was pushing and pushing, but not, no, I wasn't getting any response or any results. Like the baby should, I felt like the baby should have been here. My partner and my sister were there with me and they were the only ones who were assuring me and helping me. I felt like everybody else was like kind of angry, like hurry up, hurry up before the baby gets stressed out. And it was really stressing me out. So I was kept pushing, kept pushing. It was really hard for me. And finally, I give birth to Mason around one, like around one something in the morning, probably like one uh, twenty. Uh, I can't remember exactly. I have three babies, so I always forget their times. And they were all born around the same time. So it'll, I always mix it up. But um, I remember at that point, they took him from me right away. They didn't even let me see him. And they put him on the table and they start messing with him. I remember them cutting his umbilical cord or asking his dad if, they, if he wanted to cut it and he agreed to. And still I just see them like 
you know, putting his feet, like trying to stamp the bottom of his feet and his hands. And I remember his hands with ink on it. And I'm just looking at them like, aren't, aren't, isn't this the moment where I'm supposed to be loving on my baby and holding my baby? And they didn't give him to me until my sister said something like, you know, can she hold him? Can she try and nurse him? And I was trying to nurse and it was a little bit difficult. I felt like that whole entire moment was a blur. I felt like I was outside of my body looking into the the whole thing actually. And um, it was just a lot of chaos. Again, there were other people in and out of the room. And I remember a nurse coming and saying, oh my goodness, she has a fever and she's bleeding out. But it wasn't about me, but I thought it was about me. So at that moment, I felt faint, like, oh my gosh, is this one of those stories where the, the mother gives birth and then she dies because she's bleeding out and no one's explaining anything to me. This is a lot of things going on. And um, finally, I just spent some time with the babies. They clear out the room and the room is a whole mess. Like, I believe they dropped the bag where they put the placenta in and all of like the the gowns and whatever things you don't need anymore. So there was like blood everywhere. So I'm just freaking out and no one's telling me that everything's okay. Like they're just like, they kind of just like left me there with my, with my family. I just feel like, all right, we'll be back to check the baby in a couple of hours. And when that happened, um, I was spending time with the baby, still getting to know him and just trying to nurse him. And I remember um, it was like a few hours later and they were like, okay, we're going to move you into the maternity ward. We're going to let you stay into the room in the room with the baby, but the, but his father can't stay the night with you. And I just remember saying like, how am I supposed to take care of a newborn baby after I just gave birth? Like, what do you mean he can't stay with me? They were just like, well, this is the hospital rules. He's not allowed in the maternity ward. He can come visit early in the morning. He can stay all, you know, stay until we close. Um, until visiting hours are over, but he's not allowed to stay with you anymore. Or, you know, he can't stay with you anymore after that. And I was really scared and sad. And I kind of just wanted to leave at that moment. But I guess I tore. So they told me that I couldn't because I had stitches. So I had to stay at least another night um, in order to just make sure I was okay in the morning. So he left and all my family left. And like I said, I was terrified. I was young. I believe I was 20 at that time. And and I'm by myself in the hospital with a newborn baby who's crying. And, and, and at this point, the epidural is wearing off. So I felt like I just got hit by a car, like, bot- you know, um, from my waist down. I couldn't walk. I was trying to use the bathroom. And it was just a lot of pain. And then I had to leave the baby by, my, by himself, you know, but asking some, a stranger to, like, watch the baby. And it was just a lot of emotional, I guess I went through a lot of emotional trauma there because I just, felt like I had no one and I'm calling and I'm calling my partner and telling him like I'm frustrated like I don't I'm trying to breastfeed him and no one's helping me and I told the nurse like hey is there anybody who can show me how to latch and well and they were like you know what well um you we have formula for you so if that's what you want you, you know if that's what if you can't nurse like don't worry about it we can just give you formula and I I was open to formula because I didn't really know um how and I'm not judging any moms. I feel like everyone has makes their own decisions. But I didn't know how harmful it was at that moment in my life. So I just was like, okay, fine. Let's like get some formula going because this is what's available. And I don't know how to. I don't know how to nurse my baby, and I don't want him to be hungry. And another thing was they just they asked me if I wanted to circumcise him, and I I didn't even know. I I thought that was normal as well. Like you know, you just always taught like boys get circumcised, like when they're in the hospital, or that's what I thought I was taught um, growing up. And um, they just took him away. And I remember like asking them, like, is this going to hurt him? Like, is he going to be okay? Like, and they were like, no, he'll be fine. Like, it doesn't hurt. Like, it's just a really quick thing. We'll bring him right back. And I will show you how to care for it. I remember them bringing him back. And I just, you know, he was crying and he was just fussy. And I just felt like I really did a, I didn't, I didn't felt like I feel like I was protected. I protected him. I felt like I allowed a stranger to take him from me and do whatever they wanted with him. And then they just brought him back to me. And it was just really insensitive. And I remember just like saying, like, I want to get out of here. Luckily, I was able to leave the next morning um, after signing papers. And I had my friend come pick me up. And we left the hospital. And it was kind of just that. Like, I, I never went back to the hospital. I think they just told me to go get go get him seen by a pediatrician and I just remember that being like 
the most horrible experience ever because I didn't know any better. I didn't know that I didn't have to, I didn't have to allow all these people in my room. I didn't even know the doctor who helped me deliver the baby. So I just felt like I didn't know anybody and nobody had any type of relationship with me in order to want to help me. So um, going on to my second birth, when I found out I was pregnant the second time, um, I didn't know, I still didn't know about home birth. Um, but I just knew that I didn't want to go through what I went through with giving birth with Mason and my partner. I think there was a video that went viral about a man talking about how we should take back, you know, our, you make sure we protect our women and allow them to give birth at home and, and how it's possible and it's legal and the hospital births are not the only way to give birth. And he was like, you know, after that experience like I don't ever want to see people not care for you in such a vulnerable state like I want to make sure you're taken care of when it comes to you giving birth to our, our children so let's see what our options are so um, I started doing some research and um, I and at that point I was living in Georgia so there was a place called OBGYN and Midwife Associates in Atlanta and they offered water birth in the hospital. So I was like, you know, it's not a home birth, but it's still better than having a hospital birth. And it was, I liked that they were centered around giving birth and um, mothering and, and, you know, babies. It wasn't like an entire facility that was just had a bunch of different practices. It was strictly about, you know, it's OBGYN and prenatal care there. So um, I went there and it was beautiful. They had three midwives there at the time and their system was you met with each midwife that you can meet each person that you may, that may be, may be at your birth. So you're not birthing with a stranger. And I met Angelina on my second rotation and she, it was funny how things aligned. She was actually going, she was moving away from being at the practice and she was, um, starting her own home birthing business so I was like hey like do you think we can be your your home like you think you can work with us uh, you know my partner was like I really feel her energy I think that she's the one who's gonna help us deliver our baby and I think we should talk to her and and just try to move forward with her so we met we were we I continued going to the midwifery for the entire pregnancy up to 37 weeks. And after 37 weeks, me and Angelina started meeting. She would come to my home um, every week. And um, we just be, we just got a little bit closer to each other. We started getting to know each other. I let her know my plans. like how I let her know my hospital experience and how I didn't want that to happen at all. Like I didn't want any interference. I just wanted to birth in a peaceful environment. I wanted to have all the control. And she assured me that I had all the strength and it was, very simple to do and and if this is what I wanted I'm very I was very capable of doing it so um yeah that was just just opening my eyes to another way of birthing and I just felt so empowered by that so um with that we ended up she okay so how how her practice works is that she has everything you need like she provides the pool and she provides like all the medical, I guess the medical care. She is a nurse as well. And she just is ready for you when you're ready. So for me, I was with Callie, I believe I was overdue 41 weeks and I believe six days. And she told me like, hey, if you don't start, if you don't start getting any movement or anything by, um, by like 42 weeks, like I, we gonna, we're going to have to go to the hospital and just make sure everything's okay. Make sure that she's at a, a good weight. And, um, it was like, I think it was a Thursday that we came in. We just decided like, okay, we're going to just let her break my water so that we can get the birth going. I didn't want to give birth in a hospital. So I just was like, let's just do it in our home. So how I prepared for our home birth was just making sure that my environment was everything I needed and more. Basically, I thought about the things that would bring me at peace when I was just going about my day, like incense or candles and my crystals and just having my space clean and and things that comforted me like I love coconut water and things like that so those are things that I made sure I had present with me and 
having the lights dim, we did give birth at night. So music was a big, big thing for me. And I also had affirmation cards. I was looking on um, Pinterest to see what are ways that you were able to prepare yourself for birth and give yourself that extra confidence boost. And I did write some affirmations out and I put them under the plastic lining of the pool so that while I was in the pool, I was able to see them. So that was really, really helpful to me because I would say those throughout my day most of the most of the time and then when I was give ready getting ready to give birth I remember you know I remember looking at the uh, my cards and I'm like okay yes like I remember telling myself I can do this and I remember how I felt you know reciting these these affirmations to myself so it really empowered me and um the birth was I just I feel like it was pain it was not painful the the labor was okay it was intense but I told myself that I could get through anything for one minute. I remember my, my midwife telling me like, Kelly, your contractions are going to be like about, it's like a minute on and like probably like you'll have like 90 seconds in between those 60 seconds to like re regather your thoughts and regather yourself. So if you can do this for 60 seconds, you'll be fine. So I kept telling myself like, you can do this. You can do this. Like these contractions come from within you so you can overcome them. Like everything that you're experiencing, is from within you so it cannot overcome you it cannot beat you down like you will overcome this and just talking to myself ment mentally that mental preparation was everything I needed it was everything it helped me um like nobody else like the support of my midwife being there and my partner Jay was just like perfect like he was so empowering just telling me that I can do this and I was born for this and her just telling me like look like you got this, like you're almost there, you know, just push and focus and focus and you're in the water. Like, what do you need? Are you thirsty? Just having somebody ask me what my needs were and, and what would make me feel comfortable. She had a birthing stool. I sat on that. I didn't like it. Um, I, as soon as I got into the water, we had a birthing stool. I was like, okay, this is it. Like, this is going to help me give birth and put me out of state. So I remember just having them like turn on some incense and I really, got into my, my my zone and I was like this is it's time for you to push the baby out like you're scared but you have to get it over with and you don't want to go to a hospital so you just have to focus so I just refocused and um I had my partner behind me and with the help of uh, my midwife we um we gave birth to her and it wasn't as long as I felt it was I think it was about two hours we were in labor um and I remember just feeling so grateful after pushing her out because I felt like, I felt like um, I'm in my space. I'm in my room. I'm in, my bed is here. I remember just like getting out of the pool. So I'm in the pool, so I'm in the water. So I was able to kind of wash myself off naturally because I was in the water and coming onto my bed. And we gave birth to the placenta uh, maybe 30 minutes later about 30 minutes later and we were just on my bed and that just made me feel so comfortable and I remember somebody bringing me like juicy Georgia organic local peaches and that just gave me life it was like I just gave birth and now I just was repowered and and re rejuvenated with this fresh juice you know and I didn't have that at the hospital I didn't have anyone to bring me food and you know they're so strict of what you can have in and out or the hospital food itself isn't good so just having all these things at you know accessible was just amazing and it just helped me feel so good afterwards um and I was like laying in my bed my midwife she was weighing the baby and everything was in the comfort of my bed you know everyone knows that you're in your bed you're comfortable it's your bed it's the place where you sleep you know and just being able to do that was really helpful um with our with Callie we decided to delay the cord cutting and we did something called a um a lotus birth throughout my pregnancy with Callie I did read a lot of books that um gave me just different information that I wasn't aware of I read a book by Ina May Gaston called A Guide to Childbirth and in her book there was um I guess a bunch of stories and she had a lot of information on your options on what to do with the placenta and with the cord after giving birth like you had 
you can either just delay it maybe 10 to 15 minutes and cut it and discard the placenta or you could um you know use a candle use candles to burn the placenta and then what really stuck out to me and what resonated with my family and I was the lotus birth and the practice of lotus birthing is when you delay cord clamping or, or cutting you don't do anything with it you just let the placenta detach from your baby itself um and in that in her book she also recommended us read another book called um placenta the forgotten chakra and that book is so informative because it just tells you so many different benefits of keeping the placenta attached as well as um spiritual benefits and i really can say like after doing that lotus birth practice i can see the difference in my children and not that one is like calmer than the other but just after giving birth and seeing their behavior and how calm Callie was, she would always just like sleep and didn't really cry where I felt like Mason, he came into this world very, it was like, he was interrupted. He was in a peaceful state and it was, and, and people were just moving him and turning him upside down and doing all these things to him. So he just was introduced earthside um, in a way that I feel like babies, they're in a quiet place for nine months almost nine and a half months and it's just like why come into the world being moved around and tossed around and with a lot of noise like we just wanted to keep it very peaceful so um like I said we decided to keep the cord attached and what we did was we offered the placenta some herbs so we offered the placenta lavender sage calendula chamomile just different herbs to just say thank you for being with our baby for the entire, you know, the entirety of the pregnancy and giving her the nutrients that she needed, as well as being essentially like the first encounter that your baby has. Like the placenta is the, like, no one knows how the placenta even comes about, but we all know that they are together on this journey in your womb for the entire nine months. So they say that it's a spiritual connection between the two, between your baby and your placenta. So I didn't want to um, disrupt that connection. I wanted them to disconnect when they were ready. And a lot of people think I'm crazy when I tell when I tell them this, but I feel like if you read the book, it's called Placenta, uh, The Forgotten Chakra by Robin Lim. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it, if you just Google it, you'll find it. It just is really informative and it just puts it into perspective for, you know, yourself and your baby. And um, about six days later, Callie's cord detached by itself I remember I was like okay I'm gonna go out to the store today and um, I'm gonna just take the placenta in a little bag um, in the carrier and um, before I could even get out of the car it just snapped apart by itself and it was like very I it didn't look like it didn't affect her at all like she was still sleeping she kind of even smiled so I felt like they knew it was time to detach and they were okay with separating now um, and it was just a, such a beautiful moment, uh, a beautiful experience. Having the placenta attached gave our family more time together to just love on her and welcome the new addition into our lives and not really have a lot of people around because it's just a private moment in your life. And sometimes people forget that you want that privacy when you, when you have a baby. You don't really want a lot of people in your face. So our excuse was like, look, we have our placenta attached and we kind of just want to wait till it falls off to welcome people into our home. If you can just suspect that, we would appreciate it. And um, yeah, so that was a beautiful experience. And I just knew that after doing that, like I was something that I would always recommend for people if they're able to do so. And um, after it came off, we have it, we still actually have it stored because we were trying to think about what we wanted to do with it. We know we wanted to give it back to the earth and um so they're still being stored right now his her placenta and our son size placenta they're just back we vacuum sealed them with some herbs and they're in the freezer because when we travel this winter and go back to jamaica which is a really sacred place for us we've had so many breakthroughs there and just a lot of spiritual awakenings there we want to go back there with our placenta with their placentas and we want to bury them there and um that's just us giving back and just saying thank you to the earth for providing us with, you know, a place to stay and just 
um, you know, providing us with the nutrients to feed ourselves and our children. So with all the nutrients that come, you know, with the placenta, we want to be able to give that back to the earth as well. So um, that's what we plan on doing with both of the placentas. With Saya, my last and most recent birth, um, I got introduced to free birthing by a friend of mine who sent me a video of this woman, her name is Nova, I believe. And she's, she was birthing on, I guess, Instagram. And my friend sent that to me. And I was like, whoa, like, what is she doing? Like, I don't see any midwives or anybody present. It was just her and her husband. And that was really intriguing to me. And it really resonated with me. And I told my partner, I'm like, hey, I think I want to do this. Like, I think I want to try having a free birth. Like, I've had a hospital experience. I've had a home birth, water birth. And I feel like I'm really capable of just birthing by myself. I feel like at this point, I know my body. I know what I need. I know what I want. Um, I know when I feel good. I know when I don't feel good. And I'm just become really in tune with myself. And I, I'm very confident that I can do this. And he was just always so supportive. He's just like, if you want to do this, like, I'm all for it. Like, what do we need to do to prepare? So I just did a lot of um, YouTube was my best friend. I did a lot of um, YouTube videos um, on people who did free birthing, either if it was by accident or on purpose. I do have a friend who she actually free birthed her son, um, on, I guess on accident as well. Like she just gave birth in her bathroom. And then my friend who showed me the video said she wanted to do the same thing. So I kind of was like, you know what? This just keeps reoccurring in my life. I think this is, you know, the universe telling me that I'm capable and I should do this and I should experience this. So um, I just really went with the flow with this pregnancy. I, like, didn't really see doctors. And I don't recommend that. Um, you know, this is what works for me. I don't recommend it for everybody. But I really didn't have much prenatal care. Like I said, I was very in tune with myself. I have come become very um, attuned with my influence myself so I felt comfortable not doing it but I've also become really good friends with my midwife so I felt like if I needed or if I had any issues or I felt anything I could always reach out to her and get that medical advice if needed so I was comfortable um, doing that so again Saya was he came I was still pregnant I believe 40 41 days and I believe it was four days now. And my midwife was like, you know, what are you going to do? Do you want to just keep on? You want to just keep, you just keep going with the flow or like, do you want me to step in and help you? Or now it's just like, no, I think I'll just, um, I think I'm just going to free birth him. Like, I'll just like go with the flow. Like I'm not in a rush to me. I feel like due dates are just guesses. So I felt like I was just really called to just chill out and wait. So it was a Tuesday morning and it was funny because there, my partner would, had been gone on a business trip for the weekend, and I was like nervous, like, oh man, I'm gonna give birth without him being here, and I felt like I needed him present to, you know, with me. So I was kind of going back and forth, like, oh man, I hope I don't give birth without him here. Like, I really want him to be here. And um, it's funny, I think he missed the flight and he couldn't get back. And that Tuesday morning, he's like, okay, I'm, I'm you know, I'm at, I'm on my way to the airport. I get in at 5 a.m., you know, if you can pick me up at the airport. So I get in the car and I drive to the airport at 5 in the morning. And I know when I wake up that morning, I felt like, I felt, I don't want to say weird, but I felt like something wasn't, and I don't want to say that something wasn't right, but I just felt, I just felt something. And I was just like, man, I think today might be the day. And I woke up with some cramping and I was like, uh... I never like had my water break or never um, experienced having contractions before actually giving birth before because with Mason, I would have Braxton Hicks and these intense contractions, but I would not, you know, my water never broke. Like they had to break my water as well. With Callie, my water was broken. So I didn't really know what to experience. I just know I felt pressure. So I drive to the, um, to the airport and I'm, while I'm driving, I keep getting um, contractions like every few minutes. So I just keep writing, like I just keep marking. Uh, I just like every time I um, would have a contraction, I would just mark the time. Like I would just type it really quickly. And I, was, and I would like pull over and I'm like, okay, I'm going through this contraction. Like, let me breathe through it. And I'll mark the time that it was. So I just drove again. 
and the airport's like 20 minutes away so I was having them like every seven minutes and then it it became like every five minutes so by the time I got to the airport I was waiting for him they were like pretty frequent and it was around like six o'clock at this six thirty at this time and I remember like driving home and he's driving I'm like look like they're getting pretty um intense now like I feel pressure and I don't know. So we got, we drove back home and they kind of eased off. They, I didn't have any contractions for a little bit and I was trying to fall asleep and everybody like my partner, my, and Callie, everybody fell back to sleep and I'm just tossing and turning. And I just kept using the bathroom, like just, just peeing and peeing. And I'm just like, what is going on? Like, I didn't drink that much water. Like, why am I not able to sleep? And I just felt discomfort. So I, um, I called my midwife and I'm like, Hey, like I feel like I might be going into labor. I'm like, do you think I should like prepare um, like the tub? And it was funny that night before I prepared the tub um, because some, I don't know, something told me to just prepare the tub and have it ready just in case. And she was like, well, um, if you want to just, she was like, you know, start putting water in the tub and just, you know, just keep me posted on the contractions and how often they come and how you're feeling. And so I remember just going back and forth to the bathroom. And at this point, I was just releasing just everything. I felt like I was, I had to throw up and I just kept going to the bathroom. And there was a point, it was like seven o'clock and I was like, okay, now I feel like I want to push. Like, I feel like I have to start pushing. So I told my partner, I'm like, okay, we have to start filling the tub with water. I was very adamant about having another water birth because the, how the hot water, um, just soothed me and just helped me with my pain so I was like you got to fill this water it was funny our holes the connection the piece that was supposed to go onto our bathtub didn't fit so we had to like go back and forth with our our water our five gallon water jugs and just like put the water into the tub and I was like everybody like help I need to birth this baby in water like and it was it was it was funny and um my mom was actually present for this one so she's kind of like low-key freaking out because she's like you don't have anybody present here to help you like I've never been present for your labor like as far as a home birth like I don't she didn't know what to do so I kind of had to just like tune everybody out and come into a space where I was like this is me I'm doing this alone yes I have support of my mother and my partner but ultimately I'm challenging myself to free birth to birth without assistance from anybody and I even remember looking at my partner like hey, like, aren't you going to get in here and, and help me? And he's like, you told me you wanted to free birth. You told me that this is what you wanted. So I'm just respecting your wishes. And at first I felt I was angry with him. I'm just like, how could you not be here in here with me like you were last time? But then something came over me where I was just like, no, this is what you wanted. This is what you're being called to do. Just, you know, gather your strength and, you know, just focus. So at this point, I, my contractions are super intense and it's around like 8.45, I would say. And I, um, I'm in the birthing pool now and I start to like, feel like I have to start pushing. Like it was getting intense, but surprisingly, now that I think back, they were, the, the contractions were nothing like Callie's. Like Callie's, they were super intense and it was painful. But with this, I was just like, I can get over this. I can get over this. Like, I'm just going to get over it. But I did remember feeling a sense of, like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to quit. Like, I'm tired of pushing. I'm tired of being in this state. Like, I just want to go to the hospital. And I don't even know why the thought of a hospital was in my head. But I was also going through a lot emotionally um, and just in my life at that time. So there was just, like, a lot going on with me. And I think at that moment, I was just like, no, like you're strong and you're going to overcome every little thing in your life that's happening right now, especially getting, you know, giving birth to this baby. So just like put your head on your, your shoulders and like, let's do this. So um, I start pushing and actually I gave, I think I pushed like three times, three good, good times and Saya was here. And I can say that when I pushed him out, like it was just re such a relief, relief, like it didn't hurt and I was just like grateful to have done it and like done it the way I wanted wanted it to and it was just so like go with the flow like we didn't do so much we didn't like try to prepare all these things like we just knew that as long as 
you know, we were safe and we, we had resources like my midwife, if we needed her, like everything was all good. And, um, it was just a beautiful experience. It was really quick. Like, so from five to like six forty-five, I was having contractions. And then, um, I started pushing, like really pushing around like eight forty-five, and he was born around like nine twenty. So it was a really quick, 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 um, birth experience. And I was grateful for that. Like I got up and I got into the bed and I was able to relax. And again, we chose to do a lotus birth with him and we just dressed him and dressed the placenta and, um, his placenta came off later. It was like eight days after. And I find that because Callie was born in the summer, her placenta came off quicker because it was more humidity and the air was drier with him, his placenta was just hanging by like a little thread for days. And I was not going to interrupt it at all, but it was still a beautiful experience. I even had more time to myself and to, and to be with him by myself than I did with Callie. So it was a great experience. And um, I would say for preparing for these for my labor and for my birth and my home birth it's just environment is key like things just find the things that that put you at peace music is one of my biggest ways of meditating I find it hard to sit still but music I had um, a mantra just playing constantly and it was om mani pende hum and um that just kept playing the entire time I was laboring and I felt like that truly gave me the strength I needed to give birth. I had Palo Santo um, burning, which helped me because I love the smell. It's a very like comforting smell to me. So that helped me. And then lastly, I had um, candles that they had all different purpose. Like one was for strength, one was for courage, one was for love, one was for peace and protection. So I had all these candles that had little mantras on there as well. So I read them all while I was giving birth. And they, all of these things really, really helped me and also having the the support of my family but um just yeah just that confidence that I felt like I gave myself with doing the research and and saying like fear is not even wasn't even in my reality at this time a lot of people say like aren't weren't you afraid to free birth weren't you afraid to that something will go wrong and I'm just like yeah, if I put those things into my reality, but then that's just going to be like a ripple effect. Like I'm afraid to give birth, then I'm not going to be able to, like, it's just a lot of things. It's like, I'd rather just be confident and, and um, not think about being afraid and not think about the negative stuff. So that really, really did help me throughout the last, my last two birth, birth experiences. Wow. Oh my gosh. I have felt so many emotions while you're talking. So obviously I have a whole list of things that I've jotted down while you've been talking. But first and foremost is your mental prep. And you said that mental prep is so important and that your environment is key and the things that you tell yourself and you bring into your energy round beforehand is so important. And that is literally the basis of TBH. It is everything that I stand for. I see how important these things are when it comes to birthing. And it is just, oh my God, so much music to my ears to hear mm. saying that. Another thing that I wanted to, to mention because I noticed was that I continue to hear stories of women who remember their birth experiences as a place of this very rushed and chaotic and hectic place mm -hmm. where a lot of people are rushing and action is taking place and people might be yelling or having raised voices and bright lights are happening and no one, no one is ever stopping to explain things to this woman that it's happening about. And I hear it over and over and over again as I hear more birth stories. And that for me, I can only imagine how traumatizing it is for the, the people who are actually going through it for me. It just, it makes me, I don't know, it makes me really sad. So with your first birth, it really sticks out to me that you we're telling people so a big thing in the birth world right is like advocate for yourself tell people if you feel something tell people 
you Mm -hmm. were telling people and you still weren't getting any help. You were instead having your partner sent away from the hospital and having your baby snatched from you and um, procedures done that you didn't really understand and nobody was telling you about. My question is, my question is, the hospital staff at that New York hospital, do you think that it was ignorance on their part or if it was manipulation? I feel like it was both. I feel like um, being in that environment, you know, coming to work as a nurse in the maternity ward, I feel like you should know what you're, gonna, you're getting yourself into. You're going to be working with women who are who are, you know, vulnerable, like they're giving birth and they're looking for you to help them and give them that confidence that they need in order to birth, to birth babies. So I feel like it was also manipulative because me being in New York, knowing that New York is like the money capital of the world, I feel like they want you to get these drugs because drugs cost money. They want you to get these surgeries. They want you to get a C-section because a C-section is a surgery. So they're going to get the big bucks for it. So the guy, the, the, the doctor must have been like, if I can get her to get a surgery, that's a good pay. That's a good pay for today. And I can be on my way, you know, and, and I can just get these C-sections out. And so I feel like it's a little bit of both of the ignorance, uh, ignorance of maybe him being a man and not understanding like that he's never given birth. So no offense to any male doctors out there, because I know that there are male doctors who care and who have compassion and and try to understand what women are going through in this this time of their lives. But I felt like that doctor in particular and the nurses there, they were just really insensitive and they didn't really care. They it was kind of like just keep let's get it going. Like, okay, she's pregnant, she's getting the baby out. We have another woman that we, we need to get out. She's having a C section, is she getting that epidural? Like it was no one was trying to tell me like let's just do this naturally. Or no one was trying to tell me like let's just let's try to breastfeed your baby. It was always like Let's push the formula. Let's push, let's push the epidural. Let's push the Pitocin. Like you can press that button as many times as you want to. You know, it was just no one trying to explain to me and take the time to tell me like what my options really were, you know? So I just felt like, yeah, it was just really insensitive of them. And they were trying to, I felt like they were trying to manipulate me. Like, because I was young, I was 20 at the time. And and they're like, oh, she's just a young girl. You know, she, you know, she doesn't really know what she wants. And if I would have known that I had options or known that it was okay, that I was, the baby wasn't in distress, I was still safe. I would have probably said, no, let's not do the epidural. Like, can I go back home? Can you guys not induce me? You know, so every time anyone asks me about being, being induced, I've always um, say, please, like, please try your hardest. Like, if your baby is not in any, um, um danger like just try not to get induced because that's just the worst thing like it's unnatural um and it just causes a lot of pain and and unnecessary like worry and then you forget you know you can't feel you're not feeling birth to me it's just like it's so important for you to feel that pain and and to experience that because then you can fight through it and you can get through it so yeah it's just it's amazing to me how I feel like the medical, how insensitive the medical field is when it comes to babies or where it was in New York where I was at. I agree with you. I think that's definitely a, uh, a way of thinking that you have to subscribe to. Not everybody is down to feel the pain, but I can definitely resonate with what you're saying a hundred percent. And so what about your birth rights? You've had several different experiences. What sticks out about your first birth? Like what are in your mind, the most influential factors that impacted the way that that birth transpired and what would you do over if you could do it over again? Well, first I would say I would not allow anybody in my room that I did not know. Um, as far as like they, for Mason, they were like, oh, well, we have a stu- we have a few students who are in, you know, whatever it is that they're doing, their residencies. Like I'm more power to the students, but not while I'm giving birth. Like Give, respect my privacy, please. Um, just um, letting you know that circumcision is a choice. I they didn't give me a they kind of didn't give me a choice. They're like, you're gonna circumcise him, right? Or what? We're gonna take him. We'll be right back. You know, it was, it was not a lot of choices. They they just kind of just told me what they were gonna do instead of giving me inform, more information on it. Um, what else? 
just having like your placenta, like what if I didn't want, what if I wanted to delay, you know, they just cut the quarter or just put, you know, you have every right to have your baby on your chest as soon as you're done birthing, you know, and they took him and, you know, the, the stamping of the, of the feet, it can all, all that can wait, you know, it doesn't have to be done right away. So um, just being very vocal, I would have been very much vocal and, and just, oh, also having my partner available after giving birth, like, to me, it's like, he's the reason why, where he, you know, we both did this together. Gosh, I am so sorry that was your experience. That is definitely traumatizing. I can't imagine the fear and the anxiety and the anger. I would be pissed. And also being informed, right? Being that informed consumer. So knowing your rights, you know, we talk about on this podcast all the time about doing your research on the hospital that you're giving birth at because it really, 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 really really does make a difference. In episode number 52, listeners, I go into how um, the place that you pick your birth actually impacts your birth more than pretty much anything that you can do prenatally. So making sure Mm -hmm. that you are doing your homework and definitely asking about those policies has everything to do about it. So Kelly, what did you say to people who thought you were absolutely insane, absolutely nuts to be um, doing a free birth or even home birth? Sometimes we have people who think mm. we're absolutely nuts for doing that. How did you handle that criticism and people who, um, who, cause people can be downright brutal. Would you yeah. Um, sorry. So at first I wasn't very confident with my answer. <laughs> like I would just be like, oh, you know, well, this is just what I want to try. And they'll be like, well, you know, you could die at home. Like, are you going to call 911? I'm like, I'm not saying that I'm against the hospital or against any medical inter, you know, interference. I am just choosing to be at home in the comfort of my own home for my birth so that I can be in the, the most, I guess, like the most peaceful environment and the perfect mindset to do this. Like I felt like the people I was around during my hospital birth didn't really care for me. Although I would say um, the people for the OBGYN and midwife associates in Atlanta, they were the best. I feel like if I didn't get to experience that, um, their practice, then I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have the confidence. They gave me so much confidence to, to um, do home birthing and water birthing and the free birthing. So what I did was when they, when I first started getting those questions, um, everyone was kind of like nervous. Like my mom and my sister were like, what are you talking about? Like you're nuts. Like, no, you're not doing that. And I'm just like, no, I'm doing that. And I've done the research and I have a midwife and my midwife is a nurse and she is a registered nurse and she's been in school for years, you know, and she's been delivering babies for years. So I'm very comfortable with another woman who's been doing this, you know, delivering my baby. And I'm like, I've told a lot of people, like, I'll show you what it is to give, you know, to do a home birth. And I'll, I'll show you with my experience. Like, you may not understand now, but don't give me any negativity. Don't, don't put any negativity into my reality. Just, just, you know, just give, wish me luck, you know, and just put the positive vibes for my family instead of, um, you know, giving me, you know, doubting me and thinking that I can't do this. So, um, and then for the free birth, it was kind of like, look, I did this before, like no one else is going to push this baby out, not even my partner. So this is how I'm feeling. This is what I want to do. And I feel like I'm protected and I'm blessed. So my ancestors will guide me and I will do this. So it's like, no one was able to tell me anything. My mom was kind of freaked out. Um, my midwife was like, I'm here if you need me. She was super supportive. Like, she was like, I, I would never tell anybody to do this, but like, if this is what you want to do, I know you're not going to change your mind, but I'm here for you if you need me. So um, I just appreciated the support. And a lot of people also were like, you've done this before, so I believe in you. So I was just grateful to have those people who did believe in me because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what anybody says about you or your situation because you are the one who's ultimately going through it and you have to, you know, muster up that strength and, you know, build up that mental, you know, just that be strong, you know, and no one else was going to do it for me. So 
I just started tuning everybody, anybody who had any negative things to say out because I was like, if you're not for me, then let's just like, just let's leave it there. <laughs> so you and I are very much alike. I um, I talk about all the time having a home birth. I truly do hope to have a home birth. And people all the time think I'm absolutely off my rockers, like lost <laughs> my marbles 100%. And I too have this attitude of, fine, I'll show you. Like, if you have doubts, that's fine. I'm not going to rob you of your doubts. I'm not going to tell you not to fear this. But I will use my experience to hopefully show you that it is safe and it can be done. And, um, yeah, I hope I'm strong enough. I don't know. I've never pushed a baby out. but I'm Oh, you are strong it. enough. You are definitely strong enough. There's one thing that you – if you're able to – you know, get uh, get pregnant, and like this is made. This is what you were made to do. Like, if there's anything that a woman is made to do, you know, you, you can get pregnant and get through your pregnancy, and you can do a home birth. Like, it's just all about preparing and and just you know, just getting the information that you need and having that support that you need. Um, because like I said, no one else is gonna do it but you. So it's important. You know, it's very important. I love it. Oh my gosh, you're so sweet. I love it so much. So you were talking about the research that you did. Where did you find your research on home birth? Because sometimes it's really difficult to find research on home birth, hence the podcast doing it at home. It was all sparked because Matthew and Sarah Bivens wanted to have a home birth and there was no information out there because it is quote unquote listeners, you can't see me, but so alternative and it actually right. happens <laughs> way more mm -hmm. often than we think it does. But where do you find the information? So Google and YouTube were my first, the first places that I went and Ina Mae Gaskin, she came up and I learned about her and I was like, um, a lot of, no. Okay. So I learned about her and so I started doing research on her and then I realized that she had a bunch of books out and I started like watching her YouTube videos and how, how empowering she was and how many births that she attended, you know, home births at her birthing center. And, um, even the midwifery in Atlanta that I was going to, a lot of women gave birth, um, at home accidentally. And they were like, you got this, like, you can do this. And then just people just, um, that were coming into my reality, like just people I was, I was coming in contact with meeting people at the park. There was a woman, I was pregnant and she had her kids and she was like, oh yeah, I birthed all four of them at home. And it's like, how is it that we have become you know, I've never seen this woman in my life. And the conversation that we have is that she gave birth to all four of her babies at home, you know? And then her friend was like, oh yeah, I gave birth to my last one at home. You can do this, you know? And, you know, so it's just the people I was coming in contact with, the women that I was meeting, um, just, they also at the midwifery, they had such a community. They had classes, um, or not even classes, just gatherings with a lot of different women who were talking about their experience. And some did have them at home, some did have them at the birthing center, at the hospital. And, um, you know, just my midwife also, she was just like very, just, she gave me so much, so much strength. And she just helped me believe in myself so much. She was just like, look, like you're strong for so many other things. Like if you think you can't have a baby, like you're out of your mind, like you can do this, you know? So um, she gave me a lot of information as well. She's like, it's no different than giving birth at a hospital, except you're just in your own space. And she's like, I have different medical tools that if I need to interfere, I can, and we can always call 911 if we need to. She's like, but you know, you can do this. But the books were definitely really helpful. I had read the A Guide to Childbirth. Um, I believe that's what it's called. And um, some other books that were like natural birthing and uh, just a lot of, I would probably just watch YouTube videos all day. Like, when I was pregnant, I was just like, eat and watch YouTube videos, people like birthing at home. And that really, really helped. I try not to read so much. I just try to, to watch because it's like when you're watching people give birth at home, it's raw. So you know that you know their emotions and you know what's really going on. And I try to stay away from like medical, like, you know, think like, um, what is it? Like, things that were backed by doctors, like no offense, but I just wanted to make sure I got the real experience from people. So that's, that's like where my focus was and getting my information. I think that's awesome. You know, I know there are some listeners out there shaking their heads thinking, mm -hmm. I can't believe that they're talking about getting medical information off of YouTube, but 
the end of the day, guess what? You're free to do that. So for all of you <laughs> out there shaking your head, go to your doctor. You don't have to get your medical information from YouTube, but the people who want to, they're free to do that. And look how it turned out. Kelly was able to have a very beautiful home birth, a free birth of that. Kelly, yeah. this, oh my gosh, so, so, so fascinating. I... I am just so grateful that you have come on the show to share all of this information with us. Thank you so, so much. Where can people connect with you if they wanted to talk with you or chat with you? I mean, you're inspiring. So I would imagine that there are some, some expectant parents out there who are thinking, I need to talk to this lady and get my inspiration up. How do they do that? Um, so you can follow me on Instagram. I am at plantbased underscore K, so P-L-A-N-T-B-A-S-E-D underscore K on Instagram. Or you can email me on um, plantbasedmamak at gmail.com. And I'm also on YouTube as plantbasedk. So um, you can reach out to me through DMs, through email, and I would love to connect. I always love sharing my experiences and just giving advice. Like That's what I'm here for. I feel like that's what I'm called to do. Um, I also am in New York City, so if there's any women who are in New York City who are looking to connect, I'm all for doing that. I'm actually very active at the Sixth Street Community Center in the Lower East Side of Manhattan, and um, they're like a, a plant-based cafe there, but also a community center just giving lots of information and um, holistic um, information and just healing. So if anybody would like to connect, I'm always there and you can always find me on Instagram. Like I said, at plantbased underscore K. I love it so much followers. Um, hop over to Kelly's Instagram on there. She, um, documents and takes you through the entire Lotus process of Saya's birth. And I have a little note here that I did want to mention. It seemed like Saya waited for your partner to get back from yes. travel before <laughs> he arrived. It was like, okay, he's back. Now I can come. All is good in the world. Yes. Wow. Yes. Cause I was so nervous. I was like, I'm going to do this. And he's not going to be able to, like, catch his baby. He's not going to, you know. And it was, like, divine timing. So I'm, I was so grateful for that. I love it so much. Kelly, thank you so, so, so much for being on the show. Listeners, thank you for spending some of your Tuesday with us. We are so grateful for you showing up and showing out. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. As always, villagers, find your tribe and love them hard. Did you know you can join our online tribes? Our private Facebook group can be found by searching The Tranquility Tribe Podcast on Facebook, and our Instagram tribe is at Tranquility by Hehe. If you have a story you want to share with us, please reach out to us at tranquilitybyhehe at gmail.com. Until next time, villagers. <laughs>